Alright everybody, welcome back to another riveting edition of the Unscripted Wrestling Podcast here on the Everything Unscripted Podcast Network. I am your host for this evening, Doug Hummer. Of course, joining me as always, my trusty sidekick, Eric, is with me. What's up? How are you, Doug? And we have a, we have a special guest with us tonight. Uh, we were able to uh, ask him to do this uh, kind of last minute because uh, uh, Daniel's taking sick tonight. But we have a former, uh, r- uh, former announcer for uh, the, US, the USWA and the Global Wrestling Federation. You knew him on TV as Craig Johnson. Here's John Horton, ladies and gentlemen. Doug, it's a pleasure to be with you, and uh, thanks for the invite. Thank you very much for uh, for helping us out. And I, I feel like that this is a topic that you can definitely uh, give us some insight on. And, is, of course, the topic tonight is the importance of uh, wrestling TV deals. Obviously, John, you were part of uh, the, like I said, the USWA and Global. You worked uh, the, the television side of it as well which I'm sure is not easy. No, especially in the days when you had so much syndicated programming on. This is back in the days before cable really took control of everything. Uh, Your broadcast stations were so important and the ability for not only the the territories, but uh, obviously the the WWF at the time, NWA, AWA, especially with their network of Midwest stations, everybody had to try to get on the stations that made the most sense. And when you realize that the origination of wrestling on television, a lot of time was a strict barter system where it was great programming for the TV stations, cheap to do, and they didn't have to pay anything for it. And then later, they made their time available. They basically, the television uh, producers, the the wrestling producers, would give their show in exchange for promotional time. So it was non, it, it was no cost programming for so many television stations that it was a perfect thing for some of the the smaller stations like the UHF stations to take on because they would usually get pretty good ratings and they would say, well, yep, this is a, a good, easy way to make some money off the bartered advertising. Now you're talking about billions of dollars being exchanged between cable networks, broadcast television, and some major promotions out there when it's actually to be able to be on television. It's as simple as turning on your phone and streaming now. So the, the, the whole landscape of what television deals has changed because it's not an exclusive club anymore. Right. And that's one of the things that like, I've always been like very interested in because I remember back when I was a kid uh, and like, you know, because I grew, I grew up, I grew up in Buffalo. So Mm -hmm. obviously, you know, the main show we always got was, uh, was the WWF now known as WWE, obviously, but we always got WWF 
uh, but because we had ESPN, we would get uh, we would get AWA. Uh, mm-hmm. We got you know global when you guys were around, uh, which I loved coming home from school and watching global every day. <laughs> uh, I, I I just have to say that every time I have somebody from global on the podcast, I I mark out a little bit because. That was actually one of my favorite things to watch. Like, well, because I like to watch all wrestling, but global to me was just kind of like, uh, to me, I thought you guys, you know, were like direct competition with the WWF. Well, as much as I appreciate you saying that, obviously we had, uh, we ha- didn't have as much in the budget area as they did, but what we did have is we had imagination and we had the ability to do things without a huge corporation looking over top of us. So we could take chances, like mention other promotions on our show, actually talk about actually actual athletic backgrounds of, of wrestlers because it helped make them credible as athletes as well as wrestlers. And when we talked about them winning titles in other promotions, it was like, Oh yeah, because we, we took it from a sports casting background as opposed to a sheer wrestling show because we weren't selling pay-per-views. We were selling our personalities and the ability to have you watch every day because we had to, to bring you a program that worked every day. Right. And I'll tell you, like, one of the things I loved mostly about GWF was, like, you know, I begged my mom and dad almost every day to let me call Pettacino's hotline. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, I was just like, please just like, I want to call the hotline. Cause you know, you guys were talking about other stuff and I was just like, you know, the other companies I'm like, Oh, please, please. And my dad got <laughs> so tired of me asking. He's just like, you know what? Ask me one more time and I'm not going to let you watch this anymore. Well, then I shut up. Cause oh, like, wow. Hey. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, you win. I, I'm not, I'm not going to ask anymore. Cause you know, you take wrestling away from six year old me, you're basically taking away like almost my entire existence. Uh, Cause you know, that's all I, that's all I really like to watch. Like my, <laughs> my, my childhood back when I was like five, six years old, as far as like TV goes, it was wrestling Ninja Turtles and real Ghostbusters. Yeah, there you go. And, and uh, American Gladiators when it was on. Oh yeah. Okay. Well, that, mine that... mine was all on Channel Twenty in Washington D.C. where we get uh, we get the WWWF uh, from uh, the the old tapings from Allentown, Pennsylvania. Uh, but we would get, uh, uh, cha- it was called championship wrestling at that time. And then they had a B show. And then the other part of it was, it, it usually went wrestling, roller derby, soul train. <laughs> that that was the, the order that uh, was on Channel 20. And I, although it might have been Channel 5 that had soul train, but it, it was just, that's what Saturday mornings were. And then right. when I uh, got to spend my summers in South Carolina, 
every Saturday night at 11.15, I'd be home watching Mid-Atlantic Championship Wrestling after watching Worldwide during the day. And if we had ca- if we had cable, oh, my gosh, yes, I was watching 605 on the Superstation. I mean, it it is something that we go back to our childhood because it was good old mindless entertainment but there was uh, there was the drama and psychology that made it so much fun to watch yeah exactly and that's the thing and now like you see these channels on youtube come up with these saturday morning cartoon lineups uh and like there's actually four different channels that I follow now that are each doing a Saturday morning lineup tomorrow. And I'm like, you people are <laughs> killing me because now I got to pick. Uh, but, uh, but all right, so kind of getting back on a uh, topic here. So the reason why I picked this subject for tonight is because, uh, and a lot of people don't know this and Eric, you're actually one of the people that doesn't know like what happened, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I heard something happened in NWO, but I didn't read into it. All right. So last, I think it was either last Friday or last Saturday, the NWO had a pay-per-view called, I think it was pronounced Samayane or something like that. Or yeah, it's it's it is basically a, uh, for lack of a better term, a witchy holiday that happens around. Uh, it, it happens around Halloween time, okay. uh, and it's it's very much uh, in the uh, in the witch. Uh, it, it's it's a witch holiday, is what it is. Okay, so they have their pay per view, or they had their pay per view, and going back even further, the NWA had uh, Billy Corgan had said that they had a top twenty, or they had a deal a TV deal with a top 20 cable network. It was revealed not by Billy Corgan because he said he couldn't talk about it, but it was revealed by sources, mainly by the dirt sheets. And I think even by people in the CW that Mm. the CW was the network. So, and they were going to have two shows on there. One of them obviously was going to be NWA power. Uh, and the other one was going to be a reality show based on on some of the you know some of the wrestlers. So at that uh, at that pay per view last weekend, they did a spot where Father James Mitchell. Uh, oh, he's doing that thing. Yeah, he. I thought he was still in Impact, but apparently he's in the NWA now. So. He did a spot where it looked like he was snorting cocaine. And uh, people in the CW apparently saw this, were not happy about it. And all of a sudden, three days later, we get news that NXT is moving to CW next year. Yeah, I was going to say, I heard about that. I was like, wait, they're going to have two wrestling shows? That would make sense. Well, so now, now Billy Corgan has denied the whole thing. Oh, I never said it was CW. I can't say what it was. Everything you're hearing is a lie. Uh, which, and uh, John, obviously you would know this better than I would because you've worked with wrestling promoters before. Mm-hmm. Like, aren't they supposed to deny that stuff? Until the deal is signed, yes, they are supposed to deny that. 
Okay. However, here's the context that you have to realize about the CW. The CW of Arrow, um, Supergirl, The Flash, that is something that is totally in the past. The CW that is now is owned by a company called Nexstar. It does not have a big studio behind it like the old CW did. The okay. new CW is looking for cheap programming that they can put on that are, is friendly towards watching things live. The first thing they picked mm-hmm. up was Live Golf, which nobody wanted, and it turns out nobody wanted to watch it either. Then they picked up an ACC uh, football package, which was headed towards ESPN+. Plus. It used to be the old syndicated package that Jefferson Pilot had for many years and Raycom had for many years. And now the CW right. took it because they could have a sports property. Then the CW bought uh, or the CW got the rights for the Xfinity series for NASCAR. So you're noticing that yeah. the CW, which used to be your home for superheroes, is now your home for, oh, yeah, we'll put it on. So to have the NWA say that they were going to sign power with that, sure, you would have to make the production value a heck of a lot better than it is, but you're not trying to appease people on a studio level. Instead, it's a television station group called Nexstar, which I don't know if they go to the conservative side or the the liberal side, but they're not into, they don't understand scripted programming like wrestling is. And you could have somebody like on uh, on one of their, let's say Riverdale, doing cocaine and they wouldn't have any problem with it at all because it's a scripted show that the studios are behind. But you do cocaine yep. on a wrestling show? That's different because people think it's, quote, real. Right. Because I was going to say, uh, you know, another famous CW show, one of my all-time favorite uh, sketch comedy shows, Whose Line Is It Anyway? Mm-hmm. I mean, think, think of a lot of the, the stuff they've done on there. Oh, yeah. And... They, I mean, they're. I think they're. I think they're done, because I think Colin Mockery said a few months ago that like this season was going to be the last season. But because again, you don't have a big studio behind the CW. Yeah, I mean there there is a it, it's a it's a television station group that's mostly known for uh, owning smallish stations across the United States, and, and, uh, like in West Virginia or in, in rural Michigan, places like that. And what you, uh, the other thing is a lot of major, uh, a lot of, because CBS used to be behind the CW somewhat, and Paramount had a bit of a, uh, had a, a, bit of a stake in it, but th- the major cities that had the CW as a flagship station localized all their programming and got rid of the CW. And so a lot of the major cities that uh, you think, uh, I I don't know if it was New York, but I know it was Pittsburgh, 
Pittsburgh was one. Uh, I think Seattle was one where they had major affiliates that were CW affiliates. Well, so when CBS took their own and operated uh, CW affiliates, they gave them their own branding, and the CW, as it was, was no more. So all this great stuff about, yeah, we're on the CW, yeah, we're on the CW, you're not in major markets anymore. Yeah, and and, and that's the thing, because, like, you know, CW, uh, and again, you know, I've, some of my favorite shows were on CW, you know, John, you mentioned them earlier. Like I was uh, a fan of, uh, well, my, you know, my brother's a bit big into superheroes and all that. And I, you know, I was a huge fan of uh, whose line is it anyway. Like I said, you know, I liked that mm-hmm. uh, Penn and Teller uh, fool us that they had on CW for a while. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, for a while too, I think, wasn't Wild Women of Wrestling on? Well, they were had signed a a CBS contract, weren't they? On CW for a little bit. They were on the CW app. Okay. They were never on the CW. Okay. Uh, All right. Yeah, because now there's talk about. Uh, and again, none of this is really being like confirmed. Now, uh, people in the CW, I believe, have said something, but Billy Corgan, of course, cannot. You know, he, he says he can't comment yet. But there's actually talk about the NWA just being on the app now. Yeah. Uh, but I, I think as far as the CW goes. Like the NXT, I think, even though it's, you know, the WWE's C show, that's technically a bigger market for CW, right? Uh, I think if you were to look at the homes that have, yes, because it's over air and you don't have to have a, uh, you don't have to have a cable uh, hookup to watch the CW. That's the difference. It's free over the air television. Yeah, and but I don't like, think the CW probably paid a huge. They don't. I think WWE put their. And and I I don't have any expert opinion on this or any expert knowledge, but I have a hunch that CW said, "Hey, you want to put the NXT on there? Sure." Well, yeah, because NXT USA is... USA needed to make room for SmackDown coming over, and now yeah. the uh, because Fox didn't want. Fox literally wanted nothing to do with the WWE, and I love how the new hot rumor is that that Raw is going to go to FX. Well, if they didn't get the viewers on on regular Fox, you think they're going to want to put it on FX? Well, is it no. uh, FX is owned by Disney, isn't it? <laughs> yes, it is. You're right. Okay. And I oh, keep forgetting I- that. Yeah, WWE has been trying to do business with Disney for a while. Yeah. I didn't realize that. You would think it's owned by Fox, but... Yeah. Uh, By the way, I just read that in an an article like an hour ago. Uh, That uh, that, uh, Disney actually owns FX. But, like, the thing is... I forgot because that was part of... That was part of the big Fox breakup. Yeah. Oh, wow. I didn't know Fox broke up. Wow. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's 
it, it's weird how you know uh, television and television stations work sometimes. But like with with this, you know, like I said, NXT is WWE's third uh, third show, like their C show. So it's the one I think that, uh, like WWE or Endeavor or you know whoever, I think it's the one they probably care about the least. So mm-hmm. that's why that got sent over to CW because they probably don't expect much of an audience, you know, anyway. Yeah. I mean, that would be my guess. Yeah. But I, I can't, I can't, I'm, 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 I'm back on the network. Yeah. Go ahead, Jen. I'm sitting here. I'm sitting here looking at a list of CW affiliates. And I'd say a good 30 to 40% of them don't even have regular channels. They're on like one of the sub channels of other channels. I mean, uh, in 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 Seattle, they're on Como uh, DT2, which means they're not even on. Uh, you know, they're a sub channel. Uh, uh, Washington D.C. has a full fledged station, but I'm looking. Let's see, New York, New York. Let's see if in the New York market. Uh, they're on WPIX, so apparently they're still covering some things. But it's it, looking at this station lineup; it's awful. It's just plain awful. Yeah, I know there's a C. I know there's a CW network out here in uh, out here in Philadelphia. Yeah. So yeah, they're, they're on PHL 17, but. The reason is PHL 17 is owned by Nexstar. Yeah. So that, that's ah. of course they're going to put their own they're they're going to put their own stuff on there. A lot of these stations that where they're on the regular stations are owned by Nexstar. Providence, yes. Roanoke, uh, Portland, Oregon, um, Philadelphia, Oklahoma City. Salt Lake City, New Orleans, they're all owned and operated stations. And a lot of the other ones are seeing players. <laughs> oh, boy. Yep. Uh, but I kind of want to go back a little bit and, and talk about, like, you know, because we talked about, or, or, John, you talked about how, like, in, you know, the syndicated programs and how like a lot of the uh, territories back in the day, like they had their syndicated stations cause they were, cause they went by the markets that they aired in and it mm-hmm. really like wrestling kind of became part of like that national, like cable overlay, the national expansion wasn't the first uh, territory to be on TV national. It wasn't even Vince. It was uh, Joe Blanchard, wasn't it? Yeah, Southwest Championship Wrestling was on USA for a while. Okay. Um, uh, Mid South was actually on TBS. Th- that I remember, um, and I remember wow. them getting when they got kicked off TBS. That was almost the beginning of the end. Yeah, it was. It was just. It's really strange to see how. Well, then, uh, yeah, and then they became the UWF, which became Crockett. So you know, they were they were able to to expand in that way. Everybody thought they had the golden goose. Uh, World-class championship wrestling, the reason that they did so well 
had very little to do with the American markets. It had everything to do with the foreign markets where they were getting a lot of their money was coming from overseas. Israel was one of their biggest markets. I was going to say, weren't they pirated in Israel? Huge markets. Huh? Weren't they pirated in Israel? No, they weren't pirated. They were the they were syndicated in Israel. Okay, all right. Wow, I thought I heard somebody yeah. say once that they got pirated out there. Well, uh, well, pirated is in pirate radio or pirate TV, but uh, like people sending tapes out there and them showing them. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. No, they they that was an actual market for them. Okay. Yeah, I, I forgot where I heard that from, but because uh, I because re- I, I know they were uh, they were actually airing on a, a station out in Buffalo. I remember. Uh, well, I don't actually remember. I was only two, but apparently my mother remembers uh, that they were on a station in Buffalo. But like sometimes that station would not come in. But I was mm-hmm. so obsessed with their program one at one time that like they weren't on when they were supposed to be. So I was crying. I, I, this is how my mother tells the story. Uh, and she had to call the cable company and ask where world-class championship wrestling was. And uh, I, I swear, this is the way she tells the story. Uh, and the guy at the cable company said, ma'am, we're not even technically supposed to carry that. <laughs> but here, I think here, this is the big thing. If we're talking about if we're talking about TV rights and and where TV is going, back when you and I were talking about that, and, and I'm older than you are, um, but growing up, I had Channel Four, which was NBC, Channel Five, which was Metro Media before it became Fox. Channel 7, which is ABC, Channel uh, 9, which was uh, CBS, and then Channel 20 was an independent station. Those were the only stations on before cable. Right. So in order to get on those stations, you had to have a some sort of product that people wanted to watch. Then cable came along, and it started getting a little bit easier because – now you could have two-hour shows or uh, put a talk show on USA Network, which was at one time basically Madison Square Garden Network, where they decided they wanted to take their, their network and create more entertainment out of it. But USA Network was basically a sports network when it started around the time of ESPN. But Madison Square Garden was already established with Cablevision. So now you you have more places to show the shows. It was a 100-channel universe. Now where are we? There are thousands of channels out there. I could start a channel if I wanted to today and put it on Roku. Easily done. All you have to do is have the, the right streaming equipment to be able to do it. So to get to a place, so now think of it this way. I had six channels growing up, and all the TV viewers were in Washington were watching one of those six channels. Then in cable, they're watching one of the maybe 40 channels in the 80s and 90s. And then one of the 100 channels in, uh, in 
even current days. And now, with all the streaming, you have thousands of channels. So it, that's why Monday Night Raw, getting the ratings that it does, if it gets a million viewers, they're going bonkers because the viewership is spread out over so much that you're lucky to get a good rating about anything. We used to right. do 3 million viewers for USWA. Think about that. We used to do 3 million viewers in syndication for USWA. Right. And AEW doesn't get that. Right. Because it's, you know, again, it's not syndicated. Uh, it's, but there, there's more places to watch more different things. Yeah. People may not be watching wrestling. They may be watching the Food Network. They may be watching true crime stories. They may be watching uh, uh, Fox News. They may right. be watching CNN. There's so many Boy. other choices. Yeah. How, how many ESPN networks? And now you have ESPN+. Plus. Uh, and Well, you may have Paramount or Peacock in the sub-channels within those. Yep. I yeah, mean, one, one Roku channel has 150 channels in it. Yeah. Yeah. And and that's the, that's the funny thing, too, is that, like, you know, back in the day when it was important, like, you know, uh, channels, or, you know, wrestling companies or uh, territories or, you know, whatever you want to call them, were trying to get, you know, they're at least in their local markets, right? Mm-hmm. And they're trying to get in their local markets, which was easy to do. Like if if they were a local promo, if they were a local promotion, it was easy for them to. Or I mean, I would assume it would be easy. Like, how easy was it for Global to get the local syndication in Dallas? Uh, it actually it didn't make a difference if it was Dallas or if it was in Needles, California. It was basically, hey, will you air our show? It's available on a barter basis, which meant that we would retain three minutes of commercial time. Do you have room to run us? Great, wonderful. We wouldn't pay to get on any stations. It would basically be, you have time for us? Great. Oh, by the way, we have these other shows, uh, including one uh, for um, um, Monster Jam called Tough Tracks, and we have a roller derby show called the World Roller Federation, would you be interested in that? And we have a golf show. Hey, why don't you take the wrestling show while you're at it? I mean, that's the way a lot of that was sold. Global's great get was being on ESPN every day. Right. Because unlike AWA, unlike AWA, we wrote the televisions for ESPN. We wrote them so they made sense on a daily basis, and nobody else would do that. That was the difference. Yep. Right, because you guys were basically just – Global was technically created as a uh, – as basically a television show, right? Like you weren't yeah, – you weren't daily, necessarily it was created a daily for house shows. Show. You were created for television. Yeah. We did one house show. <laughs> I remember it well, Cobb County Civic Center. <laughs> yeah, wasn't that uh, wasn't that like Bruce Pritchard's last show or something? 
at, at the Cobb County. No, Bruce didn't come to the Cobb County Civic Center. Okay. Now, yeah, no, no, that was basically, <coughs> pardon me, I'm just getting over a cold. Basically, when the Overstreets ran out of money, that's when we all stopped going. Yeah. Is when the Overstreets were trying to sell and Max, uh, you know, Max wanted to get me to move to Dallas. And I'm like, mm, no. <laughs> And I ended up in Atlanta working for CNN, uh, making entry-level wages for a while until I got a break to move to Seattle and become a television producer. Nice. Yeah. I mean, it's a pretty good gig if you ask me. Well, I was too damn tall to be in a wrestling announcer. All you have to do is ask Bischoff about that. (laughs) Oh, boy. Yeah. yeah, there there's a lot of there's a lot of announcers who were tall that never got an opportunity, and that's why you never saw them again. Shivani yeah. short, Jim Ross short. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna yeah I was gonna say like a lot of those guys, and I, I I you know I listened to Eric's podcast. Uh, well, actually, not not so much anymore because I'm always watching like other stuff. Like I said, like my life yeah. now is pretty much old sitcoms and old cartoons. Uh, yep. Or or now because it's football season, I'm always watching football stuff. But, but yeah, like the thing about wrestling announcers and, uh, and this also kind of ties in with the TV. Like the, the wrestling announcer is important, is important to the TV show because, you know, obviously they're welcoming you in. You know, like you and uh, when Global first started, well, I'll even go back to USWA. When you first got into the USWA, wasn't uh, your uh, broadcast partner uh, Mr. Percival Pringle the third? Absolutely. I, I got it. How was it like? What was it like working with him? Oh, one of the kindest gentlemen I've ever known. He genuinely, I, and I'll call him Bill because that you know Bill Moody was the nicest person in the wrestling business, bar none. He would uh, he would call me all the time whenever he came to Washington uh, D.C. when I was living there. He go, you want to you want to come do the road with me while I'm I do this swing? Sure. So I'd go down to Richmond and Baltimore with him, and it was. He genuinely cared about every single person that was in a wrestling promotion. And so when this six foot four boyish sportscaster walks in and he's like, Who the hell are you? and you have to earn my respect, he never treated me like that. It's like, Hello, Craig Johnson, good to see you. And it was just, it was, he welcomed me in. And then when he realized that I was pretty good at what I did, he, he we became friends. So he still had to earn his respect, but oh my God, he was one of the nicest people ever. I mean, uh, I lo- Skandar Akbar, same thing. <laughs> yeah, that, well, first of all, like I, I love both those guys. And by the way, Eric, if you don't know who I'm talking about, Percival Pringle III ended up becoming Paul Bearer. Oh wow! Okay. Yeah, 
I didn't know he yeah. was an announcer. Yeah, well, because he was a he was a manager back in the USWA. This is before, obviously, he got the break in WWF. Uh, but yeah, no, he was uh, he, he he was the color commentator. Uh, John was the uh, John was the play by play guy. Okay. Yeah, he was he was he was great. Here, the funny story, a uh, funny story, Eric, is they sat him down for his interview at uh, at WWE with Vince, and Vince says, mm-hmm. uh, "What did you do before you got into pro wrestling?" He said, "Well, I was an Undertaker." True story. <laughs> he was in the wow. he he ran a funeral home. Yeah. Which made him perfect for which made him perfect as the Undertaker's manager. Of course it did. Yeah, and uh, you know, and Akbar, you know, you mentioned Akbar, another guy who I, I feel like didn't necessarily get the uh, the breaks that he should. have. I mean, obviously great in uh, world class, great in uh, mid south. Uh, I wish he would have somehow made it to the WWF. I think that he loved where he was. I don't think he wanted to go. I don't think the big time was a place he wanted to go because uh, Jim Skandar, uh, Jim Weaver was a, a, a very much a family person. He very much... Uh, enjoyed having the other wrestlers as his family around him. And he didn't need an extravagant life. He was happy doing what he was doing. And so, uh, you know, everybody, everybody talks about wanting to, to hit the big time and go to the big time. There were some people who just really enjoyed where they were. And if they could make, if they could make a good living, Great. I mean, arguably, Akbar made uh, drew some great houses. Gary Hart drew some great houses. Now Hart went on to become really big guy, and and be able to to do things in NWA. Right. But I think I think Jim was just happy where he was. I mean, why it, it why, makes... why be be a huge fish in a small pond? As opposed to a little guppy in the Mississippi River, right? I mean, no, that make, that yep. makes perfect sense. Uh, now, one of the things too, and again, I'm kind of you know reverting back to childhood childhood here, just because like I I remember a lot of this stuff you know airing because again, even when I wasn't allowed to watch wrestling, which started I think in like '93, of. Uh, <laughs> I mean, and I, we're not going to get into like all the specifics because I'm going to end up uh, with really bad flashbacks and yeah, probably end up calling my dad and arguing with him after. Uh, yeah, don't do, yeah, don't, you don't need to do that. Yeah, uh, but like even when I wasn't allowed to watch wrestling, like I still knew when wrestling was on, mainly because my grandfather watched it and he would call me and tell me what station it would be on because. <laughs> Because Grandpa didn't like Dad, so it was easy to get him on my side. Uh, there you go. <laughs> um, and so, like, you're his first grandson. Yeah, it, yeah, Ew. exactly. So, uh, and 
so like he would say, hey, just so you know, like, uh, you know, WWF is on, you know, this syndicated station or, you know, w, well, I, and I knew what stations WCW was on. It was on Turner. And even like uh, the later years of uh, USWA, you know, uh, you know, Memphis, they were on a uh, a station, a local station that they probably weren't supposed to be on. But they were like, I, I remember it being Sundays, Sundays at four o'clock on, I forget what station, but WWF would come on at three, Memphis, Memphis would come on at five, uh, would come on at four. And I would always make sure, well, first of all, I'd make sure that nobody was in the vicinity where, like, I could turn the TV on and watch it without getting in trouble. Uh, <laughs> Troublemaker. <laughs> oh, yeah. Like, I am more than, well, first of all, thank God I'm too old to get grounded now because I'm pretty, well, actually, no, my mom knew. My mom actually knew because my grandfather or no, my grandmother told my mom what I was doing, but mom really didn't like dad either. So it was, it was, I got away with it. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. But I mean, even like some of the, you know, we talked earlier about, uh, uh, mid South being on, uh, TBS for a while, which, and they drew, weren't they getting fives? I don't remember. Uh, but. But of course, you're talking about a much. Uh, you're talking about less competition. It's easier to do that when you have less competition. Right, but then because uh, Crockett, uh, you know, paid for that time slot, uh, Mid South got booted out, even though they were doing good ratings. But Crockett paid for paid for the time slot. So even though Mid South was doing good ratings, it's like okay, you know, you're you're done. Uh, you know, we're getting paid by this company now, and we're sure that this company can have really good ratings. And that's one mm-hmm. of those things too, to where like it, it might seem like you know, it it seems like a kick in the crotch, but unfortunately, that's the way businesses are. I mean, right? Especially today when it's all about the bottom line. Yeah. It hasn't changed. Yeah, and, that, and that's the thing, too. Like, I I, I remember uh, years ago of uh, ECW when they were on uh, when they were on TNN. Uh, yeah. And WWE was getting off USA Network, and they went to TNN, which obviously would become Spike TV. But... Uh, ECW never really, you know, didn't have a chance. And I don't even think, uh, well, according to Paul Heyman, and I don't know how much of this is actual truth. uh, I mean, I'm guessing because it's coming from Heyman, probably not much. But uh, according to Heyman, like, even when they were on TNN, TNN never advertised them. Oh, God, no. No, it was, yeah, it it wasn't. It wasn't a marquee show for them. You got to remember I mean, what TNN. What what do you remember what TNN stood for? Wasn't it the Nashville Network? The Nashville Network, and then it became the National Network. Okay. It was a country music channel. <laughs> Is that, it that was a glorified I remember, I remember that when I was a kid? Yeah. 
And then I, I remember when they, you know, when ECW was going to be on there, and I'm like, what are they doing on a country music station? <laughs> and then remember, uh, uh, Craig, remember Roller Jam? Oh, God, yes. Yeah. Okay. And, uh, you know, they they came on after ECW, which seemed like the perfect yeah. block. It seemed like the perfect two-hour block, but then both shows ended up getting canceled. Uh, and, you know, and WWE took over, even though WWE had nothing to do with Friday nights, they were on Mondays and then mm-hmm. whatever, and then whatever, uh, like if they were going to have a syndicated show or not syndicated shows, but it's like they had a weekend show. Yeah. Which, yeah, I think their weekend shows got, uh, their weekend shows got moved to, uh, to TNN if I'm not mistaken. I don't remember. (laughs) It was... A lot lot of useless things in this brain. That's not one of them. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Well, when it it comes to a lot of, like, wrestling history, especially, like, useless wrestling history, which not a lot of people remember, that's actually, like, a... That's actually, like, a part of... uh, That's actually, like, a part of my brain. Uh, what like part yeah. of my brain stores is all that useless wrestling information. Yeah, song lyrics for me. Yeah, I know what you. Do. I, I I know the feeling. Yeah, uh, glad somebody does. Uh, sports for me. <laughs> oh, yeah, sports for you. Sports for you definitely, especially uh, especially baseball statistics, right, Eric? And ba- baseball and basketball. Okay. Uh but uh but yeah so like you know Craig with uh, with global when you guys kind of uh, when a lot of you left which I, i'm assuming that you Scott Hudson uh Joe and Bonnie all left at the same time right uh Hudson left a little bit before we did uh because Scott was Scott's real job was uh, pretty intense. So uh, when, and he kept that real job. You know, Scott's uh, Scott's a little younger than I am, and he's fully retired now. He doesn't have a care in the world because he had a good government job that paid him a hell of a pension. And he happened to save some of the money from wrestling too. So, Scott want, Scott was wanting to just be home in Atlanta, not have to fly all the time. Um, and he also saw the writing on the wall because they couldn't fly as many people out. So he said, all right, I don't need it as much as everybody else does. Um, then when the overstreets ran out of money, that was – that was when you know Max Max didn't want to pay for people to fly out from Atlanta, and so we all basically said, "Okay, time for us to go." And that's when Gray Pearson ended up buying and and ruining the brand. But you know, it, if you if you can't pay us the money, we're not going to come work for you for free because it's fun to be on ESPN. Right. No thanks. <laughs> well, yeah, it doesn't, it doesn't make any sense. Uh, yeah, and what's funny is that, you know, you mentioned Scott Hudson, and obviously, you know, Scott was on the show before. Uh, Craig, do you remember a few years ago when we uh, all got together for the uh, the GWF show? Oh, yeah, it was fun. 
Yeah. That was that was one of my favorite episodes up to that point, and you know that we had been doing the show because like a, a lot of you guys, like I said, I had watched a lot of you guys when I was when I was younger. So for me, it was just like it was kind of a mark out moment <laughs> of, of and, and that's where like I got to be like you know keeping contact you know with you know with yourself and with uh, you know Rod Price. I've had Rod Price on this show many times. Uh, and, uh, you know, Rod Price also does, uh, has also done uh, football, uh, uh, pick em contests with us before and all that too, cause he's a big sports <laughs> fan. Uh, unfortunately he's a Raiders fan, but we, I, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna pick on him. Uh, well, what else would the California stud be? Although they're in Nevada now, I guess. So. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I mean, again, I'm not going to pick on him because you know he's trying to have a you know a nice uh, a nice date night with his wife, and I don't want him to listen to this showing and then get mad at me, because, uh, uh, but uh, yeah, and then like so when all you guys uh, took over and left, and then obviously you know you say ruin the ruin the brand, you know what Gray Pre- Gray Pearson did, which I kind of agree because after all that or like when a lot of you guys left and a lot of the people that, you know, I enjoyed watching, you know, like, like Dell, you know, the Patriot, you Mm -hmm. know, who was a big reason why I was a fan of GWF. Uh, But like a a lot of those guys leave it. Now they still, I believe they still had the, uh, you know, the, the five days a week time slot on ESPN, I, I believe, right? No, they did. Yeah, they did. I mean, nobody really seemed to care after, but. Well, kinda. all you had to do is put a bungee match on there, or have David Webb turn into Elvis. Oh, that was dumb. <laughs> uh, that was dumb. I asked Rod Price one time, because I actually did like a full like sit down interview with him. About about a year ago, and I asked him. I said, mm-hmm. "How were you able? How were you able to stay with Global throughout like the entire run?" And he was just like, "They paid me." Mm-hmm. Uh, he's like, "They paid me, and it was just show up, do my thing, and that was it." He goes, "I didn't have to like it. I yeah. just wanted to get paid." Of, uh, which obviously, you know, from a business sense, you know, is the most logical thing, you know, obviously is the most logical reason to stay somewhere, even if you know it's going to hell. Mm-hmm. Uh, but getting back to like the, uh, the television side now, like what really was your role as far as like the television, like syndicated side of, uh, I was mostly mostly USWA when uh, I was doing that because when I came in for Mark Lorenz, um, they they weren't going to pay me a full-time salary just to announce. Uh, So I came in and did syndication during the week. I was awful at it. But uh, I had an office job with with Max Andrews during the week and then would be the announcer on the weekends. and then when uh, then when the sportatorium became unavailable due to the the problems between Jared and the Von Erichs, 
we did those whirlwind tours of of we did like I want to say almost two weeks of television in Memphis uh, during that huge tournament that we did, and then we would do recaps on top of that, and we we milked that one as much as we could, and then we literally did the entire uh, uh, we did the entire loop where we were in uh, Louisville and uh, Nashville, and I know we did one other city, but. Uh, then they couldn't travel. They didn't want to travel me around, so I went back to went back to D.C. to do my uh, college basketball announcing because I was announcing for George Washington University, and that was that was a gig uh, that I, I enjoyed a lot. So that's why I left USWA, but then came back for Global because Joe said this is a full time gig, and I want you to come to work for me. Uh, the things I did for Joe were a lot different than I did for for Max. Uh, I actually put together all the programs and would try to do marketing stuff for Global. Um, a lot of uh, I did a lot of design work. I didn't do the GWF logo, but if like I was watching a old USWA show today, they actually had the the uh, uh, an open eye help design and the uh, ring aprons and the mic flags were all things that I designed. So. Uh, I got to work work my magic in some other things now, uh, other things then, which ironically I'm back to doing again now. I had a call from a small college asking me if I would design their football look. I went, okay, sure, why not? I haven't done it in a while, but would love to dabble with. I, awesome. I, I was a, a jack of all trades, I guess. It, it sounds like it. That, that, that's awesome. Uh, but yeah, like. Because I remember a, a lot, and again, like uh, when USWA was on, because USWA was on ESPN too, right? Or not ESPN? Uh, yes, too, yes, yeah, yeah. It was on before Global was. Yes. Okay. And then basically, like, now were they doing the five days a week too? Yep. Because it was Legends, Legends of World Class. Uh, was one day a week, and then uh, the USWA Challenge Show was one day, um, and then uh, we actually showed Texas All Star Wrestling, I think, for a while. No, no, it was Wild West Wrestling we got a hold of, so we did Legends of Wild West Wrestling. So it was basically anything we could find in the library that we would turn around and do a recap show of. But it was five days a week. Yeah, that, that that's amazing. Like, and, and to think like now, it, and I know now, like wrestling organizations are, you know, making a comeback, trying to get on, you know, TV and all that. And you can find a lot of stuff on YouTube. But like with AEW, AEW having three shows a week, uh, WWE having the same thing. You have uh, MLW, which has a, you know, which obviously has a television show. Uh it's just, and you know, obviously, impact. You know, they're going to be, yeah, they're going to be back to TNA. Uh, it's it's fun for for me, you know, as somebody that grew up with wrestling on TV all the time, even when I wasn't allowed to have it on TV. Uh, mm-hmm. But it's fun 
to see that like you know it's starting to get on it's starting to get on TV more again even if it's not necessarily getting the ratings that it once did yeah but i have to tell you i'm i i've got youtube premium meaning i paid to not watch ads which in a very heavy political season around here in ohio that was a very nice thing uh but uh i i find myself somebody has done a restoration project of all the old Memphis studio shows, and they're putting them out like three or four a week now. Uh, somebody did it with all the USWA shows, so I, I'll go back and see old championship sports shows that I did. I won't watch them for two hours, but I'll go, oh, yeah, I remember this was the one that the interview, oh, oh this is the one where I took the bump for Mice Man, and it's fun to watch. There's so much out there to watch. All you have to do is find it. Right. But the problem with that is there's so much to watch. How do you get passionate over any of it? Yeah, it, it's hard. To, it's it really is hard to pick one. Uh, now I, again, well, I, I, I can or, t- I can tell you I am an AEW guy. It's not that I hate the WWE, but I got so tired of of uh, rinse and repeat. If if I see one more saw one more Baron Corbin match, I was going to puke. Uh, I you know it's just and now he's on NXT and I want to puke some more, but it's just I I wasn't enjoying the storylines. Now the Bloodline storyline I'd watch on a DVR. That was interesting. They've done some really cool things, but I just I I, I don't like the people that they pushed. The thing that I love about AEW is the exact same thing that I loved about the classic NXT. They made things exciting, and they made me go, wow, that was really good. And I leave there going, wow, that was really good. And I don't get that feeling from a lot of WWE stuff. Let me let me ask you this, because uh, obviously, you know, you did uh, – you know, US, uh, Obviously, work for USWA. USWA. What did you think, or did you see the uh, the concession stand brawl that uh, a few weeks ago on Collision between Jeff Jarrett and Eddie Kingston with Dave Brown doing I the call? I thought it was overdone, but I understood what the joke was. And you know, there are some things that AEW will do that are just plain funny, and if you just accept it as that. Okay, you know, like any any Brandon Cutler Colt Cabana match, it's all going to be shtick. And yeah. so, it do I like it? Eh. Do I understand it? Maybe, but yeah, like when they did that, uh, uh, was it Nightmare on Elm Street match or whatever it was? Oh with, yeah, that thing. Uh, I, I knew that was sponsor driven the whole way. I mean, it yeah. was just like, okay, we're we're mm-hmm. RoboCop's showing up, basically, is what it is, and it pays the bills. Okay, I'll, I'll sit through that to watch uh, Danielson and Zack Saber beat the shit out of each other. Oh, pardon me, beat the hell out of each other. Now, here's another thing. I just re- this is a total tangent, and I, I I very rarely cuss, which is kind of funny on that. Well, we cuss on here all the time. This. Well, think about this. 
And, and I, I, I said it uh, in uh, a ringside chat the other day on Facebook, and they all went, oh, come on. They, they don't find uh, when, when uh, basketball crowds start yelling BS, BS, BS. But you know how much they have to cut out the audio on NXT when somebody makes a move and the entire crowd starts doing holy yes. They yeah. literally turn all the audio off. Can you imagine what's going to happen on the CW when conceivably they could be fined for that? Oh, Lord. <laughs> yeah, like... And, and, and people... And, and one of the moderators on Ringside Chat said, are you new here or something? And I said, if you look at the NXT setup, it is as close to studio wrestling as you can as you have today other than i guess nwa it's a studio wrestling show it is a controlled environment if you said to the people who came to that show please do not say holy because we can get in trouble with the network now sure you're going to have your smart alex who are going to want to do it and of course they're going to do it but if you said to come into this event, if you would kindly do that to keep us on the air, would you do that? And I, I, I got laughed out of the building. But, but think about it. That crowd is not much over maybe 150, 200 people, even if they do put the fake people in the video boards to make it look like there's more people there. Right. But that place doesn't see a hell of a lot more than than a lot of studio wrestling shows did. And it is a television yeah. environment. It's not an arena. Right. Like uh, what um, DNA did in, when they were in Disney, um, uh, university. Yeah. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, I'm, I'm sad that AEW is having ticket sales problems because I was in Cincinnati and, and was part of the crowd that was like, oh, God, this isn't good. But it's oversaturation right now. We're, we're getting to a point where there's just been too much, and it needs to feel special again. Yeah, we're getting yep. a lot of great matches, but we're getting to the point of oversaturation where there's just going to be, you know, how many people can shell out 45 or however many dollars it is for an AEW pay-per-view four times in less than three months? Yeah, Pretty soon you start going, oh, wait a minute. In the next month. Yeah. Yeah. At some and point, you got to go, hold it. <laughs> oh, no. Exactly. Uh, I, I do have to go back to a little bit to what uh, something you said earlier about Baron Corbin. And again, this, <laughs> yes. is, this is another thing. I swear I feel like I'm in the confessional. Uh, but... Uh, so back when, he, back when he first started, when he first got on the main roster, I was actually like a huge advocate for him mm-hmm. uh, oh. to the point where on another podcast I was on, uh, and Eric, <laughs> you, know, you know, these are mine and Eric's buddies, or at least one of them still is now. Uh, yeah. But, You've done a show before. Yeah. So they uh, – one of the guys that I did like another podcast with him and I would argue 
for three hours once a week when they would do their show about Baron Corbin because he hated him. And I was like, oh, he's not bad. He's not bad, you know, and all that. And then finally, after like a couple of years, I messaged that guy. I said, I am sorry. You were right. I should have never stuck up for the guy. Baron Corbin actually blocked me on Twitter. Well, congratulations. <laughs> yeah, that was uh, it, it was one of those things so, to where like I was just kind of heckling him because like yeah. of how of how Corey Graves would always uh, kiss kiss his ass on commentary, and yeah. I, I made a joke about that, and then I get a notification from Twitter saying you need to take that tweet down or else we're going <laughs> to ban your account. And then I saw that Corbin blocked me. And then I told that the one guy that I used to argue with about uh, argue with about Corbin all the time, and he's like, "I am so proud of you." Mm-hmm. Well, and, the, Corbin Corbin is a perfect example, and I, you know, I'm sure he's a nice guy, you know, trying to make money for his family. I get it, but he became to me the epitome of somebody you just didn't care about. And there are too many of those guys who hang around and you just don't care about them. I can't tell you how many times I've wanted to care about Brian Cage because he really, I, I, I love the way he works, but then there's sometimes when I'm like, oh, he's just taking up space. And he's a yep. talented guy, but I don't care. I mean, make me care. Uh, that's you know, that's why I love Ricochet. That's why I love Ricochet. He always gives everything that he has out there. And, and I could think of a lot of guys in AEW that I just love watching. Max is killing it right now because he's so freaking funny. Yeah. Yep. You know, the old, and the he only, makes me care. Yeah. The only thing, he, he is a natural heel. And the fact that he's kind of doing this kind of baby face in between thing right now, I I just want him to just be straight. I mean, I do agree that he is doing a good job, and he really is carrying that carrying that company. But to me, his best work is as a heel. Yeah. And are, like aren't you just are, don't you don't you? Pardon me, Eric. Didn't mean to interrupt you, but. Don't you just know that they're waiting for that one beautiful moment? And when it happens, everybody's going to just lose their crap. Yeah. He's going to make you love him, and you're going to care about him, and then he's going to – my God, Ole – and here's another person I don't really like. But Ole Anderson, when he pulled the, the turn on Dusty Rhodes, when he had everybody going, oh, ask Ole to be your partner. Ask Ole to be your partner. And he was, and then it was a total turn. I mean, those are the kind of things where you go, yeah, they did that right. Yeah. And obviously, you know, you you wait for that moment. Uh, and, you know, like you said, MJF is really killing it right now. I, I, do, I do like uh, – you know, and I think one of the one of the best heels in AEW right now is Christian Cage, just because like oh, he, yeah. he he cuts deep. 
Oh yeah, his his promos are next level nasty. Yeah. Uh, what do what do you what do you, what do you think of Adam too. Copeland in AEW right now, Jan? Uh, I think he's going to go there and do some some things that he wanted to do. Uh, I don't think he felt like he had done everything he wanted to, but he seems bought in. I worry a little bit about AEW because there's so many moving parts there. And yeah. even though they have two shows, Collision doesn't feel as special as Dynamite. I know they're trying to. It just doesn't feel as special. Um, I... I I think it's been exciting that they have him there, but would I rather see uh, would I rather see Darby Allen or one of the younger guys getting a shot? Yeah, I'd rather see that. I mean, Danny Garcia is starting to come into his own, and I'm excited to see where that guy yep. can go. As much but, as I yep. hate the guns and want them to go away, they're freaking good heels. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I'll tell you, Daniel Garcia, another Buffalo guy. Uh, yep. Yep. Big fan of Garcia. And speaking of, uh, and I, I just want to get your opinion about a uh, a fellow Cincinnati native, uh, Mr. Moxley. Mr. Moxley. Yeah. I I think that I think that unscripted John Moxley is one of the funniest things I've seen because he doesn't care. He just doesn't care when he had that announcing gig when he couldn't wrestle that day and uh, ended up announcing the whole time and he goes oh god tony's gonna find me for that oh tony's gonna find me for that it was one of the funniest things i've ever seen in in anybody announcing because he just uh, it's uh, i call it the conan o'brien principle and i'll uh, i'll explain that when conan was going to be replaced by Jay, Jay Leno on The Tonight Show. Conan went into a mode that he just basically says, I don't care. I can do anything I want, and nobody can tell me not to. And that's when he was at his funniest. When he pulled the sub with a Lamborghini and basically bashed a Lamborghini and goes, NBC's paying for it. That was great stuff. That's Moxley every single interview. Roll the camera. I'm just going to spout what I'm going to have to say, and I don't care if you like it or or not. But usually, it's pretty cool. Yeah, no, so, he he's hilarious, and sometimes I feel bad for his wife if she's the one holding the microphone for him. And <laughs> yep, and she's just like, oh God, we're going to get in so much trouble for this. <laughs> Well, uh, Renee's got a good gig here with the Cincinnati Bengals, so I don't think she's worried about anything. Yeah. Oh, she's working for the Bengals? Yeah, she works for the Bengals. She does features for them. Oh, okay. I didn't I'm know nice. that. Good yeah. for her. I, I've always liked her. She's a sportscaster. What can I say? Yeah, <laughs> yeah she uh, – yeah, I've always liked her. I actually, at one time, I actually had like a little bit of a crush on her, but then I found out she was married to John, and I'm like, yeah, I'll let that go. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but uh, all right, so we've gone a little bit past the uh, the hour uh, the hour mark here, so we'll uh, we'll go ahead and we'll wrap it up. Uh, but kind of put a kind of put a bow on this. Of 
John, do you think that it is still at least kind of important for wrestling for wrestling companies to get like that all important like national TV deal, even though like there are streaming services out there? The ones that deserve to be there will always get it. The ones that are wannabes will always struggle. Um, as much as uh, as much as MLW loves to put on a good show, as I, I used to have great respect for the NWA brand, and then they just started doing really crazy things, and I'm like, I don't get this. But the you know, I, I think a really good example, I'll give you the best example I can think of. GCW doesn't care if they're on television. Possibly right. the hottest promotion in the country right now doesn't give two flips about being on television. One of the most successful regional promotions, Pro Wrestling Guerrilla, doesn't give a flip about being on television. They want to create shows and create moments for people that people come and experience live. Stammy Callahan's doing that here in Ohio with Wrestling Revolver. He doesn't care about getting on television. So the ones who want to get on television have to have the money to do it right. They have to have the production quality to make it look like a good television show. Or they can be a group that thinks they should be on television but really have no business being on television. And I think the way you could see the struggles of OVW right now, a bunch of guys who are really talented, they're on television in their local market, but they're, one of their owners thinks that they could be so much more than that. Why not cater to the people who put their own butts in that seat? So you ask the question, is it imperative to get a big national television deal if you're ready for it? But some people don't care, and they're the ones that are producing some of the best wrestling on in the planet right now. Now, I'm not a big GCW fan with all the light bulbs, and, and if I see another door get broken, I'm going to be like, oh, whatever. But their fans love it. And, and Wrestling Revolver is getting really good houses up here now. And they're doing really well. Are they on television? Nope. So uh, yeah. that might be a surprising answer to the question you asked. I mean, it, it makes sense. And and to be honest, as far as Wrestling Revolver goes, I'm happy for Sammy Callahan uh, that he's, you know, that he's finding, you know, the success that he's finding. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, yeah, no, I mean, and I do – I do understand that, and it, it may definitely makes a lot of sense, you know, to me especially uh, because of you know again, TV's not necessarily as important, I think, as it as it once was, especially with the fact that you can get, uh, you know, it's easy to get on a streaming service now. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh. Have I mean, you, hell, have you watched the have you watched the Netflix show Wrestlers? Not yet. I keep I keep wanting to, but I keep for, I, I keep forgetting. Like, cause people people at work have told me they're like, you know what, you really need to watch this. 
So let, let me tell you why I think you should watch it. Here is a company that does television. That is their, oh, my gosh, we're, we're a great television company. And when you watch the story of everything they have to go through and them going, well, you know, if we can do a pay-per-view that has 500 buys, we'll be able to make uh, enough money to do this, that, the other thing. There aren't 500 people in the stands at OVW shows. Why do they think that 500 people are going to put out money to watch a small promotion in Louisville, Kentucky? unless you have something that I really want to see and I'm invested in. Their exactly. obsession with television, it really comes out in that show. And you, you'll be able to see exactly what I talked about. Right. When you, when you obsess about being on television instead of putting on a good wrestling product, which Al Snow is doing his best to put on a great wrestling product. I'm not, I'm not downplaying what he does. But the owner of that company, you'll see what it's like for somebody who thinks about it as ego as, about, as opposed to what can we do for the boys. Right. Yeah, I'm, I'm And that's where have, it always falls apart. Right. I'm, I'm definitely going to have to check that out. Uh, but, uh, Eric, you got anything else on the subject? No. Uh, everything pretty much... That's pretty much true because, like, TNA's been trying to get on television. They've been back on forefront TV. I mean, they are on TV, but not on a big network. But TNA's a good example, too. Yeah. And remember, they own the network they're on. I was just going to say that. How do they get they on get, television? They have to buy it to get on it. Network. Yeah. But uh, this has been a a really uh, awesome uh, conversation. John, again, we thank you for uh, devoting, uh, you know, the hour and however many minutes we were on the air uh, to, you know, spend some time with us. Uh, We do do appreciate it. It's been an absolute blast. Always love talking wrestling. I miss it. Uh, do I miss it enough to want to go back? I'm actually going to my first wrestling show since uh, an AEW show. I'm going to go watch an independent show because one of my coworkers says, you have to take me to wrestling. I need to experience this. I said, okay, tomorrow we're going. So we're going to go so- see a little show in Ludlow, Kentucky. And no, All they're right. not on television either. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but no, you have fun and uh I, one of these days we'll have to uh, uh, bring you back on because I I want to you know again like I said I was I'm obsessed with the Global Wrestling Federation so I, I want to keep doing obviously episodes about that maybe like we can find like an episode on YouTube or something like that we can do like we can watch like an episode and do like a review or something that would be fun I would love to do it yeah. So again, uh, now John, is there anything you John? Is there anything you want to plug before uh, we let you go here? Uh, I'm gonna go sing karaoke at the Flying Pig in Cincinnati. <laughs> That's about all right. I have to plug. Uh, <laughs> uh, what's your song choice? My song, uh, Wonderwall by Oasis. 
definitely my go-to. Yeah, I've I've always been a big, uh, you know, there's not many songs that I really know, like, the lyrics to, like, 100%, uh, except for, actually, well, there's a couple. There's, uh, and these might actually seem kind of, you know, well, kind of rare, but, like, one of them is 8675309. I like, I use that number all the time because I actually work at a bank and if I want a fake account number I'll always say it's Jenny's account eight six seven five three zero nine. True uh, story. And it's, you know it's actually it's actually funny somebody uh, my aunt uh, my aunt told me a story many years ago that somebody back in Buffalo tried to dial that number and it was actually the Buffalo police chief's daughter. <laughs> well, but her uh, name was not I Jenny. do know that I Yeah, I do know that uh it was a New Jersey number that did work and WPLJ bought it from the people who owned it so they could make it their request line. <laughs> That's awesome. But the other song that I know word for word is uh uh Your Lo- uh Your Love by uh Outfield. <laughs> Your song by Doug. Yeah. No, well, what, I, what, I said what, that they were going to be obscure. Well, what I love to do is put uh, put the karaoke song uh, Ganyam style in there, and then sing about four different songs to the tune of Ganyam style. It's easy to do. You just have to pick the right songs. Right. You give love a bad name works perfectly with Ganyam style. Never going to give oh, you up works perfectly with Ganyam style. Ghostbusters works perfectly with Ganyam style. Are there YouTube videos of that? No, I, I bar everybody from taking a video of me. I go, no pictures, please. Yeah. But yeah, that's, that's what I go do at the bars. And they're like, uh, or um, uh, a mashup of uh, Mr. Brightside and Mamma Mia. It works. <laughs> All right. Well, you you have fun with that. You have fun with that later on, John. And again, thank you so much for uh, devoting some time uh, and uh, talking with us. And we'll uh, we'll talk to you soon. Okay. Sounds great. Thank Take you, care. Bye bye. Bye now. That's fine. All right. Uh, make sure you check out all of our other shows. Uh, and uh Eric, this was fun. Yes, it was, as always. And uh, we'll uh now next week on the show we'll probably do what we were planning on uh for tonight, yeah. which is we're gonna take a trip back to nineteen eighty four and we're gonna act as if we're gonna book or we're gonna act as the different promoters and try to combat Vince and the WWF uh and their uh national takeover. Uh, so, and I will update everybody on the team challenge series. Uh, we are in the, uh, we are in the last series right now of the preliminary round. Uh, it is team Paul bear represented by Daniel versus team. Mr. Fuji represented by Eric. Oh yeah. And I think, and it right now is the first set, the first set of three. And it's really close right now, I think. Oh, boy. I'll probably do a Facebook Live video or something like that tomorrow, kind of recapping things. I'll probably post it in wrestling through the years. Okay. So, 
All right, Eric, as always, it's been a pleasure. This was a really fun episode. Thank you again, John Horton. We really appreciate it. Uh, this was a, a fun discussion. It was a blast. Uh, tomorrow night, and, maybe. Yeah, hopefully, tom- hopefully tomorrow night we'll yep. have uh, Unscripted Unlimited. At least you and I might do something. All right. All right. That sounds good. Yeah. All right. But uh, we'll uh, see everybody uh, next week. Later. Later.